0: Hey everyone, welcome back to This is Steph Sober, the podcast. I'm your host, Steph, an ex binge drinker who is now a sober lifestyle blogger, as well as a wife and a mother. In this episode, I chat with Kayla. She is an amazing supporter and friend that I met on Instagram. If you don't follow her already, you can find her at Drinking Team Dropout. Her Insta is raw, personal, and an example of true resilience. She is so open to supporting others who struggle in their own sobriety. In this episode, we will talk about her drinking days and how working in a pub hindered her sobriety. We share our pandemic experiences and how that affected our drinking habits and mental health. As well as how sobriety ignited a calling in Kayla to go back to school so she can help others recover from addiction. So, without further ado, this is Kayla Sober. I feel like this has been such a long time coming. Like,
1: I know, it's weird. I was like thinking about it, I was like, I don't know, like, I'm kind of nervous. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was like
0: first date jitters. I was like,
1: I know. I know it's so weird like you talk to people all the time and then when it comes time to like actually like being face to face even if it's through a screen you're like (laughs) hi yeah exactly
0: exactly well I'm so excited like I said I feel like it's been such a long time coming because I got on sober Instagram why I can't remember this I know it was around March or April Mm -hmm. And like, you were one of the first people to reach out to me. And so I want to first and foremost, just thank you because that person was so lonely and in like this state of like solitude and just, I knew I didn't want to go back to drinking, but I needed to find a way to like, not feel like, I was doing something completely extreme or crazy because everyone around me was still getting on with it, you know. And so I remember actually DMing you like for my birthday.
1: Do you remember that? I do and I think you messaged me one time it, you were picking your daughter or something up from school and you were like trying to record or something in your vehicle and I was trying oh, to yeah. to tell you how to record videos. <laughs> I've come a long way with that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the technological lingo now. Gosh, yes.
0: Yes. And having a 14-year-old daughter helps too because she has really taught me a lot about Instagram. But yeah, I just I I just remember though, reaching out. I mean, you've always had like solid advice, even if it wasn't just through DM, like even when you are putting content out there, I've always just felt it's like touched my soul. Like I am very much, I love thought provoking posts. I love when people like call shit out, make me think about things. And your Instagram is one of those that does that for me. So I wanted to thank you for all of that before thank we.
1: you, I know. In. Sober Instagram kind of like really supported me as well. Like, I think our dates are like two days apart or something. They are, they're close.
0: I'm they're- the 26th. You're the 28th yeah
1: <laughs> of December. yeah mm-hmm. yeah. i i can't remember I, I mean i guess it was towards the end of january when i started posting um because like i had i was already following some of those like bigger accounts and stuff and then i just kind of started following more and more people and like finally like started reaching out to a couple being like hey so like do you want to be internet friends <laughs> and, like, it was so awkward like i am extremely socially awkward especially now that I don't drink without that, like liquid courage, like social mm-hmm. lubricants, like I'm so awkward and I find it a lot easier to connect with people through my phone screen. Like obviously confidence and stuff is something that I've been working on, but it's still definitely easier for me to do that through my phone. So I relied on online AA meetings for the first like month or so. Oh, like, okay. It didn't really vibe with me too much. Yeah. Um online. It kept me accountable. I haven't actually ever like tried out like an in-person one or anything, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what kind of kept me going. And then I just started posting about my experiences and stuff on Instagram and connecting with people in there. And I found that to be really beneficial.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a little more intimate, I think. And- I mean, I don't know about you, but that's just, I'm very one-on-one and I like yeah. to have like an intellectual conversation. I don't like the surface, like how's the weather and that, and that, like, I want to get to the like meat of things. And I guess I didn't even realize this is how much I know about AA. Um, I didn't even realize that, like, I guess it makes sense that probably even with the pandemic, which we'll be diving into, they would have online
1: stuff, but yeah, I did. Yeah, know. they have actually like at 24 hours of day there's the ones you really? can go so that's you know I leaned into that quite a bit yeah. and the four hour ones are like worldwide so I felt really anonymous in that sense like I felt like I could just like go in there and show my face and it's fine but like in person like being I get really anxious around a whole bunch of people I don't know mm-hmm. so that's you know that's my kind of my downfall in terms of connecting with people in real life. So yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think that's great. Cause I, I know you and I are not alone in that. And that's why I think sober Instagram is a really great place. And you know, where I got the idea, I read, um, quit like a woman. And she yeah. mentions that in the book going on yeah. Instagram and like searching the hashtags. And this is how I was not a social media person. I had a Facebook and I Barely, I like was not looking at it often because it really triggered some toxic stuff for me. Still does. I still avoid it. And I had an Instagram, but it wasn't something that I did a lot with. You know, I would just put stuff out there of my daughter and stuff for friends and family. But um, it's really opened like a whole new world to me to like dive in there and and meet people that way.
1: Instagram's been honestly a huge tool for me. Like it can be very triggering, I found. Mm -hmm you know, if you're following all of your friends that are out partying or, you know, drinking wine at a vineyard and stuff like that, you know, like I followed DJs and, you know, I've worked in bars for so long, you know, Mm -hmm. I had to unfollow a lot of people. I unfollowed like basically anybody or any account that posted anything to do with alcohol or drinking or partying. And then I just started following like psychologists therapists counselors sober people sober accounts like motivational shit uh, Mm -hmm. spiritual stuff you know all of anything I wanted and needed to be seeing and then the algorithm just shows me that stuff now so when I go on there I'm not getting any of these negative triggers I changed my setting not to show me any ads to do with alcohol so I did too generally a really positive place for me when I, when I go on there.
0: Yeah. And then, isn't it crazy though, to think about like that with really anything we are so like the algorithm just picks up on like any habit that you would have and would feed and it feeds that beast. You know what I'm saying? Like you get on there and it just knows. And so, yeah, you have to kind of like, trick it into what you want to see, like by following the right things and unfollowing the wrong things. And yeah, like what you are consuming is what you become. And
1: if you can get ahead of that. Exactly. That's why, you know, I don't know how it was for you, but my first couple of months was very lonely Mm -hmm. because I thought I was a social butterfly. Turns out I wasn't. Alcohol just made socializing tolerable for me. But I like, I was out all the time. Like, live music, going out for drinks, going out for food. Like that's how I socialized all the time. And I did, had to completely remove all of that like mm-hmm. entirely. So mm-hmm. it was really lonely. <laughs> yeah. Let's Plus us talk- about the pandemic. So it right. was extra lonely. <laughs> but before
0: we dive into that, let's talk a little bit about like who you were when you were a drinker. Like what,
1: what did that look like for you? Oh God. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I think, like, I, on the surface, held it together pretty well. I mean, realistically, other people will probably tell you different. But, like, I I started working at bars when I was 19. And I went into that very insecure. I never fit in before. Um, I, when, growing up, my main focus was ballet. And when I stopped doing that, I had, I didn't know who I was. I had no hobbies, no interests, nothing outside of ballet. Mm-hmm. So then when you know, my last year of high school, I didn't have that. So it was kind of just floundering around. And then when I turned 19, I started working at a nightclub bar. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're the life of the party. Everyone's having fun around you. There's alcohol, there's cocaine, like everyone's attractive and outgoing. And you kind of just take on this persona. And then suddenly you feel like you fit in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to get caught up in that. So that was kind of, you know, my job became my lifestyle for a really long time. And then, you know, at first it seemed kind of innocent over the years. It affected me more and more. I got more and more depressed, more and more anxious when I wasn't drinking. Like I've always been a little bit anxious, but when I wasn't drinking, it was like very prominent. Mm-hmm. Um And then, yeah, the depression and anxiety just over the years just kept stacking up and getting worse and worse. And then, you know, I started when I left Vancouver, I was doing cocaine all the time. And I'm lucky that I don't think I ever really formed a addiction to cocaine. Because once I just started removing myself from hanging out with the people that were doing it, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't doing it. So I was really lucky in that sense that, you know... I never was in the position where I was, you know, selling off my things, like losing my job, losing my apartment um, because of that. Yeah. So I moved over from Vancouver, like a big city, to Vancouver Island. Um, and from there, I was doing a lot better in the sense that I wasn't like party hard all the time, 24-7 My mental health started feeling better. I gained, like, 30 pounds because I was actually eating again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, But the depression was still there. And Mm -hmm. I was still, you know, like... I was focused on bettering myself, but not to the point where I was willing to cut out alcohol completely. Like, I started doing like a month off every couple of months. And I'd always feel really good and be like, okay, I did a month off. I feel really good. I'm going to treat myself to a glass of wine now. And then within a week, I'd be black or drunk again. And then, so I did that over a few years. I've been here for like five years. I've done, did that for a couple of years, a month off, one or two months drinking again, a month off. And then I think subconsciously, like I always knew that I should just not drink at all, but I wasn't willing to make that commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, like it mm-hmm. was foreign to me. It was scary to me. Like alcohol has been so hyper present in my life and, you know, my job, I'm around it. When I yeah. finish work, I'm stressed out. I'm grumpy. You know, the pub I was working at um, up until like just over a year ago, the liquor store was right there. And so I'd grab a glass of wine, a little mini thing of Fireball and go home and drink it alone in my living room. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so, you know, when 2020 came around, it was, you know, the social aspect of drinking was taken away. And that's when like my depression really, really came back because before, like I felt like I was kind of, you know, there'd be a little bit of ups and downs, but it wasn't like consuming And then the second I was like, isolated, I don't know. When I was drinking socially, I was like, fun, I'm the life of the party. Let's get hammered. Sunday, Sunday. Like Sunday day drunk is like a thing. If you've ever worked in the bar industry, like that is our day to go out and get hammered. And you don't get cut off when you work in a bar. There is a blackout culture when you work in a bar, especially Mm -hmm. in a big city. You want to get each other as messed up as possible. It's so incredibly toxic. But yeah,
0: you know, speaking of that, I have to ask when you got sober, were you still working in that environment? Were you still. So when
1: I was able to make it stick, I started. Okay, So (laughs) I left my job at the pub. Okay. Not in a very good way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was I was unhappy for a while. I had I knew that if I wanted to stick to not drinking, I would have to leave that job. And Mm -hmm. I've always been someone that like I need that fire under my ass lit for me. And you know, so I wasn't happy for a while. And there's one night I was absolutely hammered after being at the fair all night. And there was a slap. There was a a chair tossed. There is I stormed out. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Not my proudest moments, but Mm -hmm. that was the catalyst. For me to like actually get sober so that happened the the last day of August I think that happened and I had tried a couple times to stop drinking when I was there but when I was in the atmosphere of like you know talking to regulars and then be like oh ha 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 like you'll be drinking again in a month like Mm -hmm. didn't take me seriously like someone actually said your sobriety doesn't count because you're under a year when I said it had been like six weeks at that time and I was like no I'm sober now he's like oh it doesn't count until it's at least a year I was like Okay, hey, guess a- who's waiting extra long for their next beer now? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but that was the environment that I was in that made it impossible for me to stop. Yeah. So after I that incident happened, when I woke up in the morning, like I expected to be just like that overwhelming feeling of dread, you know, like that shame over, mm-hmm. like that worst, horrible, like, oh God, what did I do? I don't have a job now. When I woke up, I felt like I could breathe. I knew that I'm like, okay, that that's it. That chapter is closed. Where are we going from here now? What are we, how are we going to do this now? So I took two weeks off. I printed out some resumes. I handed out one to a restaurant in town that I wanted to work at because it's a little more higher end farm to table kind of like local. thing. And so I've been there ever since and I love it. And it's, I don't often have to deal with people that are drunk yeah <laughs> it's more celebratory vibe there you know that's been good working in the industry doesn't feel exactly aligned for me anymore though mm-hmm. because like the server in me wants people to buy like another bottle of wine get another round of drinks because right. my sales are higher and that makes my tips higher but like the sober person in me is like well, you've already had two like are you sure uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. I definitely was curious about that because I can imagine like here you're torn. You've got the side of you. That's like alcohol's paying the bills because yes. yeah, if, if they drink more, they're going to tip me more, but then alcohol destroyed my life and I don't want to see it, you know, push it on other people to destroy their life. Like I could totally see where this inner diet or like this inner struggle would be. So I was curious how that works out for you
1: and it's and it's just like overhearing things like oh this person's fine like they can handle their alcohol and like me now knowing like having a high tolerance for alcohol is a red flag that you have problematic mm-hmm. drinking habits because your right. body shouldn't be able to tolerate having six cocktails that are between yeah. two and three it's
0: ounces not, it's, <laughs> it's not a good thing it's not something that like yeah you want to wear
1: as a badge like hey yeah yeah but- for sure So it's, yeah, it's definitely a challenge in that sense. But it's also been really amazing because, you know, like I have served a woman that was celebrating her six years sober. I have served a couple, one's a lawyer and one's a counselor, and they both work with people experiencing addiction. Um, I've served psychiatric nurses, like the moment I decided I wanted to go back to school and do get my degree doing psychology and then my addiction studies certificate it's like the universe put these people at these mm-hmm. tables in my sections mm-hmm. and the conversation would just naturally come up too it's not For being sure. like hey I'm super how's your day going <laughs> it would just it would just come up naturally so yeah. it's been positive in that sense so
0: yeah it's like these little these little signs letting you know you're on the right path right these people were placed to just let you know hey this is what you're supposed to be doing and like guiding yeah. you Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right, let's talk pandemic because you are in Canada, and so I I'm just curious, um, what lockdown looked like for you. And I don't know about you, but like, I It's very blurry. We'll put it that way. That time of my life. I Um, agree. I feel like it was this really weird time suck. Like I've lost. I would say it did something to my concept of time. Like I have a hard time now, like saying how many years ago things happened because I feel like that year was like this weird time suck. Like I, it's just weird. So we'll, we'll piece this all together, but
1: you're <laughs> like low chart time. I know going I, that's how
0: I feel. I actually like took some notes, but let's start with, okay. So you were working at the pub at the time when, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you guys, yeah. cl- you guys closed down, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's start there.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So I have never had more than five consecutive days off in a row my entire adult life. Oh, wow. I've always, I've always worked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I actually said that I wasn't gonna be able to come in a couple of days prior to everything getting shut down. Just because, you know, from talking to people and, you know, my grandma being scared. And I watched the movie Contagion, which was a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, um, don't recommend doing yeah. that. Um, and so I got psyched out. And then I was like, I'm not comfortable coming to work. And then two days later, everything was shut down. So, you know, I've, I've talked to people that, you know, work in, you know, construction or like nursing or like other jobs that weren't affected. And obviously their experiences are extremely different. And they're mm-hmm. like, you're so lucky that you were off work. Like I would have liked to be, I was like, do not even get me started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was kind of a bit of a mindfuck because all of a sudden, I, you know, that first week it was like, okay, yeah, vacation. Cause they kept saying, Bonnie Henry kept saying, it'll be two weeks to flatten the curve. So mm-hmm. my Same time frame was yes. like two weeks. Okay, two weeks off work, sick. Awesome. Right. Um, And then that just, like, kept getting extended. And I think, you know, by the third week, it was like, okay, like, vacation mode is over. Like, I had just moved into a new apartment by myself for the first time. God. In January. So, I hadn't even fully furnished my apartment yet when we all lost our jobs. So... I, all of a sudden I had like no income. Now our government gave us money. Mm-hmm. So they put in like this CERB. So basically everybody not working was getting $2,000 a month. And my rent was $1,440. <laughs> so not a lot left. That, yeah. That was a lot better than what I would have gotten for EI though, for unemployment insurance. Mm-hmm, which
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know the exact percent of your wage you get, but I think that would have given me like $900 a month.
0: Yeah. So it was better. It was definitely better.
1: Yeah. So basically they're like, here's a check for $2,000, go sit in your house.
0: So. Yeah. So were you compliant, I guess would be the word. Did you just stay in and like seclude yourself from
1: yeah like at the beginning I didn't know anything like I was going in my head what was happening in contagion where Mm -hmm. like you will die you Mm die
0: everybody mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm.
1: that's what like I catastrophized everything so Mm -hmm. you know like I went to the liquor store I stocked up I went to the grocery store I stocked up and I went into my living room and I pulled my mattress out to the living room in front of my tv I had my whole little setup going and then I just drank and didn't stop for two and a half months
0: (laughs) pretty much so for me I had just quit my job right before I it's so weird and I feel like when you were telling me how you like you didn't go in a couple days before I just I had like this weird knowing um months before it even happened like where I just felt I felt like something big was was brewing I don't know I just have like these weird intuition things all the time. And I just felt like something's brewing. And I didn't think anything like that, obviously. I just thought like something at work is brewing and like things were trending down at work. I I was working part-time at a real estate office and, um, I got really sick. I probably had COVID to be honest with you, but it was end of February and I was the sickest I have been in a really long time, really high fever, um, cough, And I remember my boss called me to do my review over the phone because I I couldn't come into the office. Like I was that sick and she ended up, um, cutting my hours way back. And I got off the phone with her and I told, I told my husband, I was like, look, you know, do we really need me to do this? Like at this point, like, is it even worth the gas going in? You know, it was like one of those things. So he's like, let's just, why don't you just, you know, give your two weeks I was like, okay. And um, so she was actually on vacation. She was leaving for vacation, which was another reason why she had to do my review over the phone. But I remember like that next day um, I woke up and I could like, my lungs felt like they were on fire and it was just really weird. So I went to like a convenient care type place up the street. um, And at the time they weren't testing for COVID or anything. I mean, this was end of February. I mean, there was whispers of it and, but they didn't talk about it actually being like, in the United States or being a concern. So they didn't test me for it. He listened to my lungs. He's like, it doesn't sound like pneumonia or anything. He gave me antibiotic and, you know, in a couple of days, which I didn't take by the way, cause I'm like, that's a whole nother thing. But, um, I just treated myself with herbs and like, <laughs> like just, you know, like gave myself rest and I was fine in a couple of days, but then, yeah, I quit my job and then boom, it was like, I went in to get to clean out my desk and they were shutting down the office because of COVID like I would have lost my job anyway I think I would have been one of those people that like they just would have like phased so out
1: did you guys like in the states there, like did you get any sort of like benefits or like financial assistance or anything well because I
0: quit I didn't but yes
1: <gasps> I know that was the only thing if I would have just held <laughs> out I
0: could have yeah. just... but um but yeah but actually it worked out because if I would have stayed I would have worked from home which would have been fine because I did a lot of work from home already with that job, but my daughter really needed me. Right. Because that was a whole new ball game with being home with her and having to help her through her schoolwork. And, um, but yeah, so it was like shut down and it was same thing. We need two weeks to, you know, get, just like, get ahead of it. And so it was like a two week party, right? We were all like, we had, um, where I was living, we, we hung out with our neighbors. Like there was a ton of us that hung out. So we would sit in the driveways cause it was spring. So it was fairly nice out. Not, not too cold. We would sit our lawn chair, six feet apart and like drink. And just like, there was no, there was like no, um, routine anymore, I guess was the thing. And I'm very routine based. And I think that's when it really started for me because my routine was taken away. So I went from like being a binge drink. I was already a binge drinker three to four days a week. Now there was like binge drinking every day and there was no set hours anymore. Like I always set some hours and I still kind of did. I tried to like, wait till like, I got Adeline pretty much done with school, but it was just... Oh, I had no shame. Like, one. I opened my eyes, leaned over, grabbed yeah. the ball
1: of the fireball that was still sitting next to my bed from the night mm. before. And I smacked, like, second to open my eyes. Like, terrible. <laughs> yeah. <Fireball>. I mean,
0: <laughs> fireball. Oh, <laughs> no. But I mean, that was something I would definitely do on the weekends. It, it would be mimosas right away um, during the pandemic, but not if I didn't have Adeline, if I didn't have to like, try to be a responsible parent, uh, there would have been, yeah, I would have been doing the same thing. Bloody Mary's like, no, no problem. Um, all right. So you said two months before, so it was like two months before you went back to work or
1: two and a half months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, so during the shutdown, I don't know if it was the same like where you were, but a lot of my friends, like in Vancouver and Alberta, there is an app called House Party. And it was basically like Zoom. Okay. Um, but You had like games on there. So you could play like a version of like Heads Up and Cards oh, Against Humanity, like it, their version of it, right? Within uh-huh. the app. So, and you can like hop between different rooms um, as long as you were linked by at least one mutual person. So we basically, I just would sit on that all day long and everyone was always drinking. Like I had TikTok at the time. You'd be scrolling on TikTok. I remember there was this one audio and it was a woman saying, she's like, so like, just to confirm, like we're all drinking every day. Right. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, everybody is drinking every day. Like, that's fine. Like even celebrities, everybody, everyone's posting about how they were drinking every day day you know like in their while rooms, working drinking, cooking breakfast while working yeah yeah and so it was like okay like this is fine this is normal like everyone's doing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so we I had about two yeah two and a half months of drinking all day every day there was one time I went to the liquor store on the Monday I bought a box of wine and a two six of fireball and then I woke up on Wednesday blacked out the entirety of Tuesday and Tuesday night, the 2-6 is gone. The box of wine is gone. The box of wine, I think, is like four and a half bottles. Yeah. Um, and like a 2-6 of Fireball. So not Girl. ideal. No. <laughs> I lost my nose ring somewhere in my apartment because, like, the little ball that connects it fell out. So whatever I was doing was so vigorous that my yeah. nose ring like, ripped out of my nose. <laughs> no idea like it was just it was a lot there was a lot of and this is what I like I have when I tried to drink white wine after that initial shutdown I have like my I'm pretty sure my brain has neurologically made a pathway now embedded in it that associates white wine with being super depressed because white wine always used to make me feel giggly and happy and a little bit like hello, you know, yeah, yeah. I've ever had has been like, drink some white wine. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? But now you some of that. that was primarily what I was drinking, boxes of white wine for that two and a half months. I now even one glass of white wine. I just want to cry and listen to Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. Very lonely, very sad and we had we got four days notice that we were going back to work so it was like okay let's sober up and mm. I had extreme social anxiety going back to work mm-hmm. after that. So it was like it wasn't it was a lot like my body's still detoxing mm-hmm. Four months later right like you said with routine you know my routine working and I'd work at like four or five at night so like I'd wake up I'd to be a little bit hungover from drinking my wine or whatever the night after or night before after work mm-hmm. but like not too bad and then I'd like put myself together go about my day usually just lazing around my house um and then go to work and then I wouldn't have drinks until after work but shifting from that to blacking out every single day yeah my body like was it was probably unsafe the way I detox cold turkey like that to be honest because like I would get the shakes. Like I was clammy and sweaty. Like I woke up like drenched in sweat for multiple days in a row Mm -hmm. in my, Mm -hmm. in my bed. And then, you know, going back to work, just like trying to give someone a beer and my hands just like tremoring. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I, I just remember feeling this like i remember like being on a roller coaster as far as covid as far like being really scared of it at one point and drinking because of that yes and then being really annoyed with the fact that like nobody knows what the fuck's going on and drinking because of that and it was just this state of unknowing and so there was this this like thought process of it. Like, I'm just going to get drunk every day. Like we're all maybe going to die tomorrow. Like the worst place mentally you can be. And it was created by this, like unknowing this unstableness of like what's going on. And I had to get off social media because especially TikTok, it was funny. You brought that up for the longest time, my algorithm on TikTok were all these people, you know, like all these conspiracy theorists and all these things about the the pandemic. And it would freak me out. Like I would be freaking out. And so I had to start what I ended up doing is I started following, like skipping through those, like not watching them. So it would quit giving them to me. And then really like watching the ones like you were talking about. Oh, so now we're drinking and like I even made some of those TikToks because I was bored, you know, about drinking. And, you know, there's people like putting wine in their, their tea mug and then putting tape in the little tea thing and like all these like hacks. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, then that's what I was like consuming. It was just horrible looking back on it. But I also feel really grateful for it. Because I mm-hmm. think it accelerated my addiction. Like it, like it made it to where, like Stephanie, like loud and clear. This what is, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yes, this is a fucking problem. Like, pandemic's over now. Quit drinking like that. Like you know what I mean. Like fast forward to like when life was starting to open back up and things were getting back to normal. Okay, I don't have a job to get back to like everyone else did. Like so, I still didn't have. Routine and didn't have other than getting Addy up for school. Like I, you know, I would do that hungover. Like it just, oh, it was not good for me at all.
1: Yeah, that's I, that. Well, yeah, like not having a job to go back to right. too. It's kind of like you know, everyone else goes back to work, and then you're kind of just completely left alone. To yep. Like, what space am I staying in now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, going back to work, to serving, it was, you know, everyone's like, so what'd you do? Like, what'd you do though? Like when you were off work, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, there's two kinds of people during COVID, during the shutdown, people that bake bread and people that blacked out. Yep. Better black out. Yeah. Um, I blacked out all the time. I made, I was making all these TikToks all the time. And a lot of them were just like funny ones. Um, a lot of them were me drinking and joking about being drunk and uh-huh. joking about being an alcoholic. Which now I'm like, don't fucking joke about being an alcoholic. Yeah, not funny. But, um, um, you know, my boss's um, daughters called it Kayla TV because I had them on, uh, him on Facebook, and he, they'd hear my like videos and stuff. And mm-hmm. some of them were just like quite funny. Then you know, as time went on, they shifted more to like me drinking and basically just being hammered all the time Mm -hmm. and and then so when we went back to work we were back to work for a couple months things shut down again and so it's like sweet like lost my job again awesome straight to the liquor store and then after a couple weeks then they let us be open for takeout only so I'd go I was going into work sitting on my butt for however many hours to take a couple takeout calls um and then just that that time I wasn't drinking as badly that time I kind of smartened up a little bit because I still had a little bit of structure having to get up and go and do that yeah I knew if I was hung over beyond belief I wouldn't be able to just sit there And Mm -hmm. deal with people. Like I'd be either needing to drink more or I'd like pass out on the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then yeah, so it was just like it was such a roller coaster, like you said. It was like up and down and up and down. And you know, the media like Mm. saying all these things and like pushing these numbers on you and saying these many, this many people are dying every day, even young, healthy people. Mm -hmm. And then just completely ignoring the fact that thousands of people are overdosing yep, and, you know, fall slipping into this like pit of addiction with alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just that, I don't know. I don't know. really love the word fear mongering, but I like it kind of, right. it was and it just kept you yeah. in this constant state of the unknown and fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. so that's when like, I just felt myself being like, fuck it. Like to everything. Right. It was just like, fuck it. Yeah, I don't care. And you know, I
0: I noticed it was very that was very much the attitude of a lot of people, and that's a dangerous place to be. And you think about yeah, people with addictions or who overcome addictions and the relapses that happened during COVID, and then you think about yeah, and then people with mental health issues, how that affected
1: them. They shut down when they shut everything down. This is what really got me fired up is they shut everything down. Restaurants were allowed to be open for takeout only or whatever. I can't Mm -hmm. quite remember exactly the timeline of everything, but gyms were, you couldn't go to the gym. No. And I know like a lot of people like, routine but like working out is their source of like how they blow off steam you know how they connect with people like that's what keeps them sober that's what keeps them mentally healthy and Mm -hmm. the fact that like your physical health and your mental health are so tied together yeah you know a lot of people I know just kind of slipped into this pit of depression like I called my best friend on more than one occasion bawling my eyes out being like I don't want to kill myself but I don't want to be alive anymore Mm. And, like, I had – it because, like, i have self-harmed and, you know, I've got a whole past with, like, my mental health and, Mm -hmm. you know, being suicidal. But – so, like, I'd call her and be, like, this is not – like, you don't need to be concerned I'm going to do anything. I'm not going to kill myself, but I Mm -hmm. don't want to be alive
0: anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm so fed up. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. live like this. And this was during the pandemic? Yeah, just, like, over – not even just that first shutdown in, like – a couple of years yeah. after like even up until you know like a year ago honestly yeah, yeah. Is like I was feeling like this and that's when like last year was slowly like probably yeah like 2021 is when I started getting more aggressive with my like okay I need to be sober
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've done breaks so many times I feel better when I'm not drinking yeah Well, it showed me that I can go back into that really dark space mentally so easily Mm -hmm. and I'm just better off not drinking. So I would do like a month, a month and a half, two months not drinking and feel great. And that was really what tricked me into thinking I didn't have a drinking problem. Yeah. Because if I had a drinking problem based on the stigmas associated with the word alcoholic and rock bottom, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you think of? Like what is your mental tie when you think of an addict or someone who is an alcoholic? Like, you know, it's the brown paper bag, homeless person on the street. And so I was like, I'm not that. I didn't drink for an entire month or six weeks if I can do that, then I'm obviously not an addict. I'm not yeah. an alcoholic. And so that tricked me for a really long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just being in that pub atmosphere, I never made it longer than like two months. And then I would be drinking again. So it wasn't until I left that atmosphere that I was able to actually make it stick. Like I started the job I'm currently at in mid-September. I didn't drink for all of September, October. November, I drank. And then December, my coworker had, I was doing pretty good in December. And then my coworker had someone that was like exposed to COVID or something. And I was supposed to go for Christmas with my family. And because we worked together, I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I should be around my family then. Mm-hmm. So I stayed home. And then it was just, it just triggered, it's almost like a slight, you know, little bit of ptsd type symptoms right sure. like it just triggered all these like feelings of darkness again in me and i spent my you know the 24th 25th 26th 27th mm-hmm. blackout drunk again you know i was talking to my grandma on the phone on christmas she's like have you been drinking I'm like no i just like a, a little bit you know like slurring yeah. yeah and it was like that's something that clicked you know <laughs> i distinctly remember my grandma being like have you been drinking kayla but yeah, on the twenty eighth, that's when you know I I woke up and I had like a little bit of wine left. I drank that, or on the twenty seventh, I guess so I had my last glass of wine. Mm-hmm, and twenty mm-hmm. eighth, I woke up and was like, no, we're done. And I've I you know I thought about being like, okay, January first, you know that's when everyone does their resolutions. Yeah. I'll start then, and I was like, no. You're going to do this right fucking now. But isn't
0: it funny? (laughs) Because I think that's the difference of when it's going to stick and when it's not going to stick. Right. Because like I've talked to others when you're ready, you just do it. Like it's like in that moment, you're done when you're not really ready. That's when you set the date and you're, you know what I mean? Like you're, and for me, it was the same thing. I was going to wait till January 1st just because I've always, once again, structure, I've always like, I started diets on a certain, you know, and that's what I was going to do. And then yeah, like Christmas day. And the only reason I drank in December, is because my dad bought me an advent calendar, a wine advent calendar for Christmas. And so, and that's all, but seriously, all I drank in December was like that little itty bitty, like five milliliters of wine every day. And that was it. And I was like, I'm done now. Like I'm not waiting until January. Like I'm not going to keep putting this off. Like I don't want, I don't want it. So I'm starting now. So I think that is like kind of a difference. Like when you, when you're done, you're You're done. Like, you know, like you feel it, like you've never felt it before because like you, I've done it a million times, you know, tried to just take a few months off. And then, yeah, I'm like, oh, Well, I could probably be a moderate drinker now, you know, I've like detoxed myself, I've got my tolerance back down, I can just, but it never fails. It just never fails. I would just slowly build back up to blacken out.
1: Well, and it's like, also with like moderation, it's like, do you want to constantly be struggling? Right. Trying to moderate your drinking being like, okay, I've had two, okay, like, I I had maybe a little bit too much like last week, like, I just, it's not worth it to me. It's not. Not I just, all,
0: but, yeah, you know. I just had this conversation with my husband cause he's moderating right now and I, he's doing great and, and nothing against it. Like every, like you, you and I have talked about, like everyone has their own journey that they have to go on. And I'm really proud of him for even moderating because he, he was drinking like I was, um, but you know, he's got it in his head. Like he can't just not ever be a drinker. because kind of he's in construction so it's just very prominent and it's very and he's a and he's a superintendent so it's like but anyway we just had this conversation and I that's how I explained it to him because I was like listen this is why I don't moderate because I want to be in the moment I want to have a good time and whenever I moderate I ruin my good time because I'm like keeping track of how much I'm drinking. And and then I'm like, okay, slow down. We're going to be here a while. Don't, and how I, fast just, am I and, this, and I'm a fast drinker. Like I'm such a fast drinker when it comes to alcohol. And so like I told him, I said, for me personally, I don't want to deal with that. Like that's, I'm a worry war. I'm a stressor. Why add something in for me to worry and stress about? Like, that's just the way
1: I see it. Yeah. Well, like, plus I don't know, I guess it might be different for everybody but say you tell yourself you're only going to have two drinks right mm-hmm. after that second drink your inhibitions are quite a bit lower and yeah. like, someone's like oh don't go home yet you're like okay fine sure I'll have that shot of tequila let's go yeah right, right? and you you get the case of the fuck again and you're yep. like whatever it's fine and then you know that you're not sticking to anything then no so it's you're like not you can, the amount of times I've told myself, I'm only gonna have one glass of wine. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had one glass of wine, but I had eight shots of tequila. Right.
0: <laughs> or I had like the biggest glass of wine you've ever seen. And like, oh, well, I, I have one.
1: one of those glasses where it fits the whole bottle. And you're like, this is fine. And I always used to make this joke with my table too. And um, honestly, I still kind of do sometimes every once in a while. And I don't like the fact that I do it but people love it and they tip me more <laughs> like popping <laughs> up their wine when they've purchased the whole bottle and it, you don't let it get fully empty right you just top it up and I was like and they'd be like oh thank you and and I'll be like well if it if you never let it get fully empty it only counts as one glass yeah so like that's the kind of persona I have like I have at work mm-hmm. and you know do I have to make that joke no should I no <laughs> but yeah. it's like I don't want to work It's like I'm putting on. I'm I'm an actress, like basically, yeah. Version of me when I go to work, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of my life, the real version of me is outside of work. So it's Mm -hmm. that's why it's kind of feeling out of alignment for me. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine it's 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 hard. I don't want to be a server anymore, but it's like, where else am I going to be able to find a job where I'm able to go into work for five hours and. Couple hundred bucks.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that because you have been hitting the books.
1: So (laughs) I
0: want to hear all about it. I mean, you talk about it here and there on Instagram and you've been very busy. But um yeah, tell me more about this. Like what is what's the time frame and what are we gonna do when we're done?
1: So my mom is an addictions counselor. Okay. So when I got sober, I kind of was like I've always been like that per- friend where people will ask me for advice and stuff, which I always mm-hmm. thought was ridiculous. Like I'm always giving relationship advice and I've never had a healthy long-term relationship <laughs> in my entire life. Oh. They've all been toxic and abusive. And, oh like, my god. You know, like I've dated people, mm-hmm. but not like healthy long-term relationships. So you just, so you
0: I- speak from um experience.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah. Like because- of what not to do. <laughs> well exactly exactly and like and I've always been really like I'm good at giving advice but not good at taking my own advice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah so when I stopped drinking and stuff and the sober Instagram and and you know talking to people I was like well I want to be able to help people you know like my mom like people that have kind of helped me along the way Mm -hmm. and I've always been kind of like fascinated with like the way the brain works and stuff so I decided I had to pay off the rest of my student loans that I owed, which is around three grand, I had to pay that off in entirety before I could apply for new student loans. So I managed to do that over the summer. Mm-hmm. And then I enrolled in what's well, Bachelor of Arts. Made I plan on majoring in psychology, do my minor in sociology. Okay. Um, and there's an addiction studies certificate as well. That's pretty much all of the same classes that I'd already be taking. Just like a couple of variances, so I will be doing that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of different ideas, a lot of different options of what I want to be doing. After mm-hmm. it'll probably take me realistically five years to graduate with my degree because I'm doing the extra classes for the addictions certificate, okay. Um, and I'm only taking four per semester right now, so I I'm gonna do that. From there, like I don't even know. Like I was thinking about starting to apply at like places now that can somehow like some sort of outreach or something like that. Sure. So I can like get my foot in the door of working with something that's more in alignment with you know what I feel called to do. Yep. So when I finish my degree, then my plan is to either do my master's in counseling psychology. So, I can be like a registered counselor and then specialize in addictions and like mental health.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, ideally, like, I would love to do something for the hospitality industry because, okay. you know, it's really hard when you work in an industry and then you're struggling, but nobody talks about it. And if you want to talk to a counselor, they're just telling you, You know, maybe you should get another job. And you're like, no, I like my job. Yeah. I like what I do. I make really good money and it's really expensive to live. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I'd like to maybe do something in that realm, like do counseling specifically for that. Maybe, you know, put together some sort of, you know, program or talks or something. I don't, you know, these are all just loose ideas, right? Yeah. for people you know that work in the industry like you know the warning signs to look out for and and stuff like that um you know I've got an idea for a book (laughs) I've got like I I have shiny object syndrome you know I've got all of these big ideas um so there's that I can do um I've also been considering doing a psychedelic assisted therapy grad program um because there's all these studies coming out now
0: yeah I've Um, heard
1: with how psychedelics can be really good for helping people mm-hmm. with addictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously they're just studies and there's a lot of research going on right now. So I'm really just kind of looking into all of that and keeping... It's really interesting though, isn't fun. it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, really, you know, I don't have a solidified plan right now. I'm just kind of, I know I'm on the right path. I'm you really are. enjoying it. I'm learning and it's really cool you know studying the brain and we're just kind of getting into you know like for my developmental psychology class actually we're um, studying the teenage brain right and in this talk we were watching um, this woman goes on to say that teenagers are more susceptible to be addicted because of the stage of development that their brains Mm -hmm. are in yeah. I think that the earlier you start drinking, the more likely you are to have a problem, maybe not right away, but like later mm-hmm. in life it's mm-hmm. that learned behavior as your mm-hmm. coping mechanism.
0: It definitely was for me. I know that, um, I've now that I'm sober and I'm that far away from the drinking, like even things that I did before I was a drinker are like coming back to me. If that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm going back to that girl who I was before. Like those interests are coming back to me. Like the things that used to light me up before I was 14 and started drinking. Like, it's just, it's really wild, but I I swear it has something to do with it. Right. Because like at 14, that's when I started drinking to be someone else. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fit in the life that I was living before that I got made fun of for. And so drinking, turned me into who I needed to be for everyone else to accept me. And now that yeah. I'm not drinking, I'm kind of going back, falling back into like who that, who that person was, but now I'm 42 years old. Now I don't give a fuck what uh, people think. Yes. <laughs> I don't care uh, if they don't like her anymore because I like her. And that's when I feel best is when I can be her. So there's definitely something to that. There has to be. And I love yeah. that I can, Talk to you about this because you're learning all these things.
1: I really like what, all of the stuff that Gabor Maté puts out. I don't know if you've rather read his books or watched uh-uh. his talks or anything. Um, he lives and works in Vancouver. I think he like is a professor at UBC. I don't know, maybe currently or not. But he does a lot of stuff on addiction and trauma. He's got a couple books out um, that are really good. Mm. His 10 talks. Um, but he talks about you know the correlation between addiction and trauma and you know like I shared a video on my Facebook the other day and it was like is is it a choice to be an addict mm. and he talks about he's like well do you think these people choose to like be homeless and be on the street and be hopelessly addicted to these opioids and and all of that and like no there's underlying issues of how they got there Mm
0: -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that I find fascinating Mm -hmm. is like what why are you making the decisions that you're making like how did you get here how can you like work to heal that stuff and that's in my focus really is like focusing on radically changing my life and my mindset so that like I can be at this point where I don't want to drink. I don't feel the desire mm-hmm, to drink. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I get these flickering thoughts every once in a while, being like, oh, I miss wine. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have a glass of red wine right now. Mm-hmm. But then I just instantly think I'm like, wine depressed, you know, mm-hmm. like it that connection is there. Right. And right. It's And I think over time you just learn
0: new ways to cope with those things yeah. coming up and those cravings coming up. And then Yeah. You're just like retraining, retraining the brain, how to do it in a healthy way.
1: Yeah. I eat a pint of ice cream. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, I eat a lot of, I'm not as much, but Oh my God. When I first got sober every freaking day, I had to have ice cream. Like it was
1: a thing. I didn't get sugar cravings really like until later until later. Mm -hmm. But like my, My approach to getting sober in the beginning was very much focusing on changing my mindset. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I focused on adding healthy things into my Mm -hmm. routine as opposed to, like, what I was taking away. Yeah. So I was, like, adding doing workouts, adding eating healthy, adding you know, going for long walks so that I'm focused on the, adding these healthy things that don't allow room for something like alcohol. So that's kind of like what I was doing. So I was eating really healthy and not having so much sugar and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but definitely now further down the line, like I, I have moments where I'm like, We I worked a wine dinner at work, and it's a five course dinner with wine pairings. And I had these table, this table of women, and they they were lit, like they were having the best time. (laughs) And it was just this was, I think, when I was like maybe three months sober, four months sober, and I was serving them, and they're talking about going to the casino and just having such a good time, and like that got triggered like big time serving that table. And I went and we were in the, the dessert portion and they had a few extra ones. I ate like three desserts back to back without even breathing. I think ah! <laughs> I looked at our chef and I was like, I just stress ate three desserts because I'm sober now. <laughs> like, I can't deal with serving hey. the party. <laughs> but you know, you know what?
0: It was better than drinking three glasses of wine.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. It's. Yeah. I don't know. What like have you what have you been doing in terms of like what would what was like the thing main thing that kind of you focused on like at the beginning?
0: Um definitely like you, fitness, because fitness has always been something I've wanted to achieve, and alcohol never let me do it. And so um, yeah, I all the money that I w- wasn't spending on drinking, I hired a trainer because I'm like, I'm reinvesting in myself and yeah, adding stuff in because she, although I kept, I've always kept my calories in check, um, mm-hmm. even with adding the ice cream and I would just like make sure I left room for, a you know, ice cream cone at the end of the day, but, um, adding protein in was huge. And then, yeah, doing my strength training and, um, going on walks, getting, getting a, at least 7,500 steps in a day, up to 10,000 is my goal and yeah. focusing on that. And, it's crazy because my trainer was just telling me, um, we email quite a bit throughout the week. And she was telling me how she's very, very impressed with the fact that I have found really good balance with my workouts because she said a lot of people that come from like giving up an addiction will then get addicted to working out and it becomes obsessive and, I told her, I said, you know, I've always been, I knew that though, going into it, like you're the same way. Like, I'm just very self-aware. I'm always wanting to understand like why I think the way I think, or like why someone does what they do. Like, I'm just very self-aware. And, um, so yeah, I just knew going into it that I was going to have to make sure that there was a good balance with it. And I didn't want it to be, you know, become a new unhealthy because it can become unhealthy. Like you can do too much of it. And, and so yeah, I mean just focusing on that and really just giving myself a break when I need it and and that's exactly I mean, it. That's really big early on in sobriety too just getting the rest because you you feel you think you're supposed to be like so energetic now because you're not hungover but you do still need to give your body that time to heal and recoup from I think that self-awareness
1: poison. is really the key thing, you know, is,
0: uh-huh. especially
1: in the first few months. Like I started finally, like I understand now, like what things are going to trigger me before they even do. So mm-hmm. I like yeah, there, you know, when I'm going into a social situation, I know that being around loud sounds and crowds of people and intoxication Makes me get really like, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'll go. I'll be like, okay, I'm going for one hour. Then so and so is going to pick me up, or like, I'm going to leave at this time. Or if people get too drunk, this is when I'm going. And have those boundaries like set ahead of time. Yeah, and that makes it a lot easier. But still, like, I I haven't found myself wishing I could drink yet. Like being out with people, I I just leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I, I guess it gets lonely is, you know, I, I've got, I've also got like my hard boundaries. Like I will not be around cocaine mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and people drinking really heavily. So mm-hmm. I know people and they'll be like, just so you know, this is going to be the case. I'm not, not inviting you because I don't like you or anything. I was right. like, no, hundred percent. That's my hard boundary. And people know that. And that's yeah. respect people respecting that. Yeah. And it's
0: surprising because it's kind of scary to set those boundaries in the beginning. Cause you're worried that like, you're going to offend someone or push them away. But at the end of the day, like you got to put your sobriety first and, and yeah. the people that really love you and care about your sobriety, they won't, they won't fault you for it. And
1: yeah. I had a couple tough conversations with people mm-hmm. at the beginning. I'm just like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, my whole relationship with you has been surrounded around drinking and mm-hmm. it, you're a trigger for me. So I'm sorry, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To put it bluntly, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard, but yeah. you do what you got to do. You have to yeah. prioritize that. And I've had conversations with people, and you know, they're like, "Well, how do you do it?" I'm like, "You have to be ready to radically change your life." Yeah. You know, if you're like I've all those times, you know, that I would take those breaks. Like I'd still go out with my friends. I just drink non-alcoholic beer, mm-hmm. and I still put myself in the same situations around alcohol I'd be at the same parties and stuff like I wasn't changing anything about my life all I was doing was abstaining from drinking mm-hmm. so that was that was never gonna stick <laughs> no and I was saying like I'm just you know I'm not giving myself a time I'm sick I'm just not gonna drink for a while like I never said to myself I am sober now I am not drinking again right it was always just like I'll oh, just see how I feel you know because I gave myself that wiggle room to drink again
0: yeah. And you've got to live like a sober person. Like you said, you can't be living the same lifestyle you were living as a drinker because yeah. it'll never stick. Cause then you, you just fall into that old habit, that old routine, especially us routine people, like things, certain things just go hand in hand, hanging with certain people. It makes you drink
1: like you got to recreate it seriously right away either. Right. Like I, you know, I was talking to one friend and she likes to go out all the time live music is like you know her thing and she's like well I can't give that up and I was like well you you might have to remove yourself from that like like situation for a couple of months until you're you're confident yeah so you're confident until people realize that you're serious about this lifestyle change Mm -hmm. Um, and just you have to be willing to make the sacrifices right like yep it's hard. Like Mm -hmm. you might have to quit a job. You might need to break up with your boyfriend. You might, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have to be willing to make those sacrifices in order to ensure your success.
0: Yep. It's the biggest act of like self-love you could ever do. And it doesn't feel like self-love. It doesn't. It feels (laughs) like abandonment. But what you're, you're not abandoning yourself in that moment, but you think that's what you're doing, but you're actually doing the opposite. Like you're embracing that person inside that just wants to be better.
1: Yeah. And like, I spent a lot of time just playing my silly little games on my iPad and Netflix and laying in bed for the first month. And it's just someone, someone had said, I saw online and it said, your only job in that first month is to stay sober. Yep. You don't need to be going for runs. You don't need to worry about anything else. Your job is to not drink. It's especially in like, you know, those first those first few weeks. Like you don't need to start making radical changes. Right. And putting this pressure on yourself to like be like, oh my God, yes, like everything's great now. Like, yay, I'm sit sober. In and you know, <laughs> sit in your shit. Yeah. Lay there and sit in the fact that you are doing something really hard. It's gonna mm. be really hard. And it sucks right now. Like it's okay to sit there and be like, "This fucking sucks," because yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. But if if you need to just lay there and disassociate, and that's what keeps you from drinking, then do that. Mm-hmm. Well, we should probably wrap
0: her up. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> <laughs> we we need to just do some Zoom calls here and there, just to catch up. Yeah,
1: we should do like make like a little group or something. Yes. We should do something like that. Yeah,
0: like, we should. Get a couple people and be like, okay, Friday night hangs. <laughs> yeah. Bring your non-alcoholic beer and hang out. Yeah. Thank you again so much for doing this. It was great. I guess That's I'll cool. see you around on Instagram.
1: I know. I don't really. I'm not posting much lately. So I'm just like so busy with school. So Yeah. It's but
0: okay. I'm still there. I'm still around. Yeah, we still see you. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. All All right? right. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor, please. If alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Be sure to follow so you don't miss future episodes. And just so you know, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you and in the sober community. It's an easy way to do your part in normalizing a sober lifestyle because I truly believe that nobody should feel alone in sobriety. And that being said, feel free to reach out to me or anyone on the sober Instagram community. Check out my show notes for my Instagram handle at this is Steph sober. My DMS are always open.